five minutes west longitude. In these simultaneous observations, they thought themselves justified in estimating the minimum length of the mammal at more than 350 feet, as the Shannon and Helvetia were of smaller dimensions than that, though they measured 300 feet overall. Now, the largest whales, those which frequent those parts of the sea around the Aleutian, Kulamak, and Umgullik Islands, have never exceeded the length of 60 yards, if they attain that. These reports, arriving one after the other, with fresh observations made on board the transatlantic ship Perar, a collision which occurred between the Etna of the Inman Line and the monster, a process verbal directed by the officers of the French frigate Normandy, a very accurate survey made by the staff of Commodore Fish James on board the Lord Clyde, greatly influenced public opinion. Light-thinking people jested upon the phenomenon, but grave practical countries, such as England, America, and Germany, treated the matter more seriously. In every place of great resort, the monster was the fashion. They sang of it in the cafes, ridiculed it in the papers, and represented it on the stage. All kinds of stories were circulated regarding it. There appeared in the papers caricatures of every gigantic and imaginary creature— from the white whale, the terrible Moby Dick of Hyperborean regions, to the immense kraken whose tentacles could entangle a ship of five hundred tons and hurry it into the abyss of the ocean. The legends of ancient times were even resuscitated, and the opinions of Aristotle and Pliny revived, who admitted the existence of these monsters, as well as the Norwegian tales of Bishop Pontopidon, the accounts of Paul Hegede, and, last of all, the reports of Mr. Harrington, whose good faith no one could suspect, who affirmed that, being on board the Castilian in 1857, he had seen this enormous serpent, which had never until that time frequented any other seas but those of the ancient Constitutionnel. Then burst forth the interminable controversy between the credulous and the incredulous in the societies of savants and scientific journals. The question of the monster inflamed all minds— Editors of scientific journals, quarreling with believers in the supernatural, spilled seas of ink during this memorable campaign, some even drawing blood. For, from the sea serpent, they came to direct personalities. For six months, war was waged with various fortune in the leading articles of the Geographical Institution of Brazil, the Royal Academy of Science of Berlin, the British Association, the Smithsonian Institution of Washington, in the discussions of the Indian Archipelago of the Cosmos of the Abbe Moagno, in the Midheilungen of Petermann, in the scientific chronicles of the great journals of France and other countries. The cheaper journals replied keenly and with inexhaustible zest. These satirical writers parodied a remark of Linnaeus, quoted by the adversaries of the monster, maintaining that nature did not make fools, and adjured their contemporaries not to give the lie to nature by admitting the existence of crockens, sea serpents, moby-dicks, and other lucubrations of delirious sailors. At length, an article in a well-known satirical journal by a favorite contributor, the chief of the staff, settled the monster like Hippolytus, giving it the death blow amidst a universal burst of laughter. Wit had conquered science. During the first months of the year 1867, the question seemed buried never to revive when new facts were brought before the public. 
It was then no longer a scientific problem to be solved, but a real danger seriously to be avoided. The question took quite another shape. The monster became a small island, a rock, a reef, but a reef of indefinite and shifting proportions. On the 5th of March, 1867, the Moravian of the Montreal Ocean Company, finding herself during the night in 27 degrees 30 minutes latitude and 72 degrees 15 minutes longitude, struck on her starboard quarter a rock marked in no chart for that part of the sea. Under the combined efforts of the wind and its 400 horsepower, it was going at the rate of 13 knots. Had it not been for the superior strength of the hull of the Moravian, she would have been broken by the shock and gone down with the 237 passengers she was bringing home from Canada. The accident happened about five o'clock in the morning as the day was breaking. The officers of the quarter deck hurried to the...